Our deepest desire is to know that we are worthy, worthy of loving and being loved. This podcast explores how to love, how to love fiercely, and how to be guided by the heart and trust in the most powerful energy in the universe, love. Our task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within ourselves that we have built against it. Welcome to What Would Love Do? Thanks for listening. Hello, beautiful soul. Uh, welcome to What Would Love Do? It has been a while. Um, I'm really excited to be here with you today and share this episode. So wherever you are on this gorgeous day, I hope you are celebrating the day. I hope that you have found something to be grateful for. Um, and that you are feeling magnificent and miraculous. And you know what? If it's just one of those days where nothing seems to be going well and you're feeling challenged and you're feeling unworthy and you're feeling not enough and lost, I, I feel you. I want you to know that you are not alone and that this is just part of understanding what it is to be human. And uh, remember, this to shell pass so here we are um it is late february and i kind of feel that 2019 just has started for me and then again you know time is made up anyway so um and the reason being is uh so from mid january to mid february we've been in japan uh well they're celebrating a friend's birthday, uh, a friend's wedding, uh, two friends getting married, and then we were traveling um, a little bit after the wedding. And it was the most challenging, um, transformative, and crazy trip we've ever had. Um, I've ever had, um, which is the premise of this episode and what I wanted to share with you. So, you know, the conditional love is. The thing with being a parent is that we assume um, that we love our children unconditionally. However, what um, actually before I talk about unconditional love, which is the the premise of this episode, I want to share about this moment that I had when I was 24, 25. And I'm reading Krishna Murti's book, Think on These Things. So Krishna Murti is a philosopher and spiritual teacher. And, he has, and it was one of the first philosophy, spiritual books I've read. Uh, I read, and that was when I was starting to wanting to open my mind up more to, I guess, self-awareness and self-development. And he wrote this line in his book, and it said, we don't love unconditionally. You know, look, I'm not going to quote the book. I can't remember the exact words, but I remember reading it and being so shocked. And it said something along the lines of this, we don't actually love unconditionally we love condition we place conditions on our love and it's highlighted in all our relationships um because if we were to love unconditionally it means something like this if you are with the person that you love you know you're in a relationship and they betray you or they uh left you for someone else could you still say that you love them and the answer is most probably not because there's a condition that you have in which you will only give your love should the relationship look a certain way. 
And when I read this, this really blew my mind. And I realized, wow, like we, you know, what does it mean to be loved unconditionally? What does it mean to love unconditionally? And yet this is what we are all seeking or not all seeking, but I guess this is where, like, you know, I believe that that place of unconditional love is where we flourish, where, you know, um, where miracles happen, where the experience of life as it's meant to be lived happens, right? So then, um, you know, and then, so then I got, and so after I read that book, I was in my, with my ex-partner who is now my ex-husband and, you know, I was reflecting back on the relationship with him and I thought, yeah, well, like there's a lot of conditions that I've placed here. Um, So it's not, you know, it's not a mystery on why that relationship ended. But, you know, the thing is like you want to learn from that. You want to learn from that. So in entering the relationship with John, we've been really conscious, well, I've been really conscious of, mastering like you know does he feel loved unconditionally or does he feel like he has to be a certain way and you know there are promises that I've I've made him and one of them that I love is I promise to never know you which is important because then I'm not saying oh you're always like this or you do this and this is how you are because when we say this is how you are or you do this and you know this is what you're just going to do we're almost creating a cage for our partner um, and that we can't see them any other way. So it's our own filter that we're imposing on them. Yet I believe that, you know, the magic, that, you know, relationships are magical when we are in a continual space and, and we're invested in creating a continual space of discovery, of curiosity, of seeing with new eyes, like seeing our partner with a beginner's mind and when we can do that we you know we're creating patience we're creating compassion and look it's challenging I'm not saying that we don't have challenges we do but there's you know we make mistakes we bring compassion to it bring forgiveness to us to it and we start again and that's so important for you know our loving relationships um and the other thing is uh with practicing and being committed to understand mastering and practicing unconditional love is that it starts with within ourselves it really does because you cannot give what you don't have and you cannot share that which you aren't invested in or wanting to master um um so the idea of you know placing so much burden on someone else to fulfill all our emotional needs that's just setting that's setting ourselves up for failure um so really i believe that the key to uh cultivating a space of unconditional love or an unconditional relationship starts within and it starts with our own wholeness invested in our own healing and our own transformation so anyway up until before John and I became parents, right, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's pretty good. We haven't had conditions that have tested us and we haven't had a condition or any kind of conditions that, you know, brought up certain wounds. I mean, for me, yes, um, like in terms of learning learning how to allow love in, learning how to uh, allow another to love me at the moments that I feel so unlovable and unworthy and what have you. So there has been those transformational moments. Um but yet what I wanted to present on this episode was that in Japan, I learned how conditional 
my love was for Avery. And that was, that, that's hard. That's, that, that, you know, that's something that I'm still processing and, you know, and I'm, I'm bringing awareness to it and I'm learning from it. So the four weeks in Japan, from my outsider's point of view, it was so challenging. And here, oh, here are the challenges. One, our son is two and a half years old and we were traveling with a lot of other families and, you know, we when we are traveling with different families, there's different forms of parenting. Now, I promise you, I do not want to judge another per, uh, another parent's parenting because everyone is different. Everyone has a different level of awareness, of consciousness, of what what parenting means to them. So, and I get it. I get when it's really tough as well. So, with our form of parenting, one of the things that we are committed to doing is that Avery is not allowed to have a device. On the table, like Avery doesn't own a device, right? He doesn't use our phones to, to what we, we we try to minimize that. Actually, we don't do that at the dinner table or at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We just don't. And we'll so initially when we were traveling, you know, he was around other kids who had, who owned their own device, and so they would have the device um, out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Look, I get it. Look, I am no way judging. Okay. Um, this is just what we've chosen to do in our family. So I didn't know that a two-and-a-half-year-old can get FOMO, I FOMO as in fear of missing out. I had no idea that this would actually make him feel like he's missing out, make him feel inadequate, make him feel that he's unloved, right? So that was one of the major things. So it was never about the device, but it was the feeling that he got from it. And I didn't know how to manage this. I was like, you know, this is how this is how, what we're doing in our families. This is what you, you have to learn to deal with. And so he never felt heard. He never felt seen. He never felt that I met him where he was at. And I had no idea. The other thing that, so in the moments where he was really struggling and he showed us how he struggled with this by like through tantrums, you know, and one of the things that we learn as parents is never judge the child's behavior, right? That's too easy. What you want to be able to do is go, what's underneath that behavior? What's going on? So it wasn't until probably, you know, halfway through our four-week trip that I really understood, wow, he has a fear of missing out and he's really struggling with, um, he, he, he felt embarrassed. There was, there was a time when I asked him, do you feel embarrassed? Do you feel ashamed that you don't have what other kids have? And he said, yes. Um, and I didn't know how to deal with it. Like, I, you know, and I didn't know how to meet him and I didn't know how to bring love back because I was stuck. So that was one thing where I knew that I didn't fulfill on, you know, you know, I, that, I, you know that love was conditional. Um, and now, you know, even though I'm sharing this story and I'm all calm and, um, light about it gosh like in those moments it was heated I was the worst version of myself as a mother that and I've never felt that way I've always felt proud of my expression of motherhood I've always felt um yeah inspired by how I do motherhood but Japan wow those four weeks really showed me another view I was like the worst wife and I was the worst mother that I've ever experienced now I'm not saying that to go oh no I hope you feel better no like and I don't feel bad like I don't feel guilty or ashamed it's more I'm sharing because I know that hey this is the next level of awareness and this is the next thing to be able to learn because without these challenges we there's nothing to uh, highlight to us or give us an opportunity to learn 
So then, yeah, so Avery was chucking tantrums and, you know, Avery is, before we left to Japan, he, we've always been able to talk to him, negotiate with him, uh, make sure, you know, I check in with him, do you feel loved? Um, do, you know, I, and I, I share with him, I'm so grateful that you chose me to be your mother. I'm so grateful that you are our son. Um, but on this trip, when I asked him the questions, do you feel loved right now? He goes, no, I feel unloved. That was that was tough. So there was the the device thing and then there was a the snacks thing as well. So with Avery, we don't allow him to have snacks before a main meal. So he eats what we eat. We don't cater for, like, you know, we don't do special catering for him. And look, please, you know, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, I'm not, please, I, I, I honestly am not judging. I'm just sharing what we do in our family and every family is different and I get it, okay? Um, but what we struggled with in Japan was, you know, other kids were always having snacks all the time and, you know, special meals given to them and, you know, and I just... Yeah, and Avery didn't, and he, it really had this impact on him emotionally. Now, the other thing what Avery struggled with, so before we left to Japan, look, I knew that Avery had, like currently right now, and this could change, but currently right now where Avery is at is that he has introvert tendencies. Um so he doesn't like big crowds. He is the type to, you know, he's, he's better one-on-one. Um, he's quite cautious. And so in Australia or at home, we are conscious of this and we, uh, we, we, we stand side by side with him. We give him space to be and, um, you know, we're, we, there's a lot of patience. Now, when we're overseas, because we're other people and we're with people that he sees regularly, you know, and children that he plays with, like, you know, week in, week out, um, we thought we, we just, I I just forgot that he needed time out. Like he need not time out as in time out as in he's in trouble, but time out and a way to be able to re-energize himself. Um, so there was no one-on-one time with, mummy and daddy, which is what he needed. Like his love language is also quality time. Now, if you're a parent, I um, invite you to read The Five Love Languages of Children. It is such an incredible book. It's by Dr. Gary Chapman, who also wrote The Five Love Languages um, for Relationships. Transformational. Um, Yeah, so actually, if you're not a parent and you're in a relationship or you want to even understand yourself better in relationships, check out The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. So anyway, when I came home, I really wanted to understand what happened. And so I was reading The Five Love Languages and I just realized, wow, like Avery's love language of quality time with mummy and daddy uh, was an unmet need. And so therefore, when you're feeling empty, when you are feeling unloved, it's hard to be able to regulate yourself. Um, so that was, and you know, I didn't, I, I didn't realize that then as well. Now, the other thing that happened on the holiday or the transformational trip, I wouldn't call it a holiday, um, was that within four days of arriving in Japan, so right at the beginning of our trip, my husband went snowboarding. So, you know, we both love snowboarding um, and we went snowboarding separately. Um, uh, so he went with his mates because they're a lot more advanced and, you know, I went on, yeah, like uh, with uh, friends that aren't as advanced, I guess. We go a lot slower on the mountain. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we were snowboarding this one particular day 
And then at about three o'clock, um, and I didn't have mobile reception. So I, you know, I arrived home and I had uh, Wi-Fi. I turned on the phone and there's this WhatsApp message that comes in. And it's this picture of him in like bandaged up in a sling. So he had a snowboarding injury and it was a pretty severe one. And so what happened was his shoulder joint, or not the shoulder joint, the AC, like I'm not, uh, I might be getting the technical terms wrong, but basically this is part of his shoulder and it's called the AC joint or something. So the AC joint had teared. Um, So it was a pretty severe injury. And this is right early on four days within a four-week trip, right? So for the whole four weeks, he was in a sling. So what was happening was there's also the emotional part, which I didn't realize, was he was really scared of the impact of that injury. You know, we we got to see a physiotherapist in Hakuba. However, uh, we couldn't really see a professional, you know, that could speak English until we got back to Australia. But what that injury had the impact of that injury was that he was already on high alert. He he had to deal with guilt. He, he felt really guilty as well because he felt like he couldn't support, you know, looking after Avery. And at the same time, most of our trip was, you know, the, the later part of our trip was organised with doing a lot of hiking and trekking. We had to cancel one of the major ones because um, it was putting Avery in a, a hiking carrier. Um and I, I, I didn't feel that I could do it for, you know, two or three days straight. Uh, and I was really worried that I'll slip on the ice, which I did in one of the, the beginning of the hikes. So the thing was, you know, he was already emotionally kind of spent, right? And I have this thing where I say you can only give what you have. And so, you know, to be able to give love, to be able to create compassion, kindness, understanding, have empathy for another human being. You need to have to have that for yourself. But you can only have that for yourself when you're overflowing with a sense of mind, body and spirit where your your mind and your heart are in alignment, where they're coherent, right? So you're not logically inclined and you're not emotionally inclined. We're talking about um, being, you know, you know, I guess in harmony. Your, your body, your mind and your heart are in harmony. Now, whenever a human being has their mind and heart you know, not in harmony. It's like it's like the beginning of the orchestra where everyone's trying to tune their instruments. It's it's chaos, right? Now, imagine this: Avery's got chaos, John's got chaos, and I then also kind of had chaos because I felt like I was the thing that I didn't know that I didn't know that I was doing was I was trying to be the hero. I was trying to be the hero, and then you know, the <laughs> I was trying to be the hero and do everything and then I became resentful and then I became the victim and I didn't even know how subtle that was and how it creeped up on me in those four weeks that we were in Japan so when we are in that space of being like of being the savior of being the hero and then of you know and we are missing out on that experience of I guess harmony within ourselves it's tough. And so to be able to have patience for another human being or compassion, you know, we can't. We, we, like, it, it's, it's almost asking us to do to do the impossible. Um, so then can you imagine what the family dynamic was like? It was 
it was chaotic. It was it was hard. And so John would be short with Avery. Avery would come to mummy and I'm trying to do the best I can to be empathetic. But then now I'm resentful to John because I'm like, why can't you just not, why can't you just connect with him? This is so hard. And, and then I'm trying to be the hero by looking after everything. And it just doesn't work, right? It really doesn't work. So for those four weeks, I had this glimpse of what most mothers feel like. And when I entered into motherhood, there was one thing that I said to myself that was really clear, and that is I've got to be, you know, I've got to have a full cup or like my, the well, my my love bank and the well within myself has to be full, nourishing and overflowing because that is when I can be the best version of myself in my marriage, the best version of myself as a mother. And when you're running on empty, it is hard. When you're putting everyone else first, but you're doing that from a place of being a hero or a victim or the martyr, you can only do that for so long before you don't even know who you are. And when you don't know who you are, love is, you know, the the experience of love is obligation or responsibility there. And you can't even feel love when someone else is giving that to you. So that month, I believe, was this huge lesson in learning how much, can, like, I guess, how much I loved my son conditionally because when he's back in Australia and we can talk to him and communicate with him, you know, all is amazing and I feel like an amazing mother. But when our son Avery needed to feel loved the most, when he was at his worst, and I often say this, when we are at our worst, that is when we want to be loved the most, right? When we are at our worst, that's when we want to know that the people that really, that, that that's a demonstration of unconditional love where we can receive love when we feel that we most are not worthy of it. Um, and when Avery was feeling so unloved and unworthy, um, yeah, like he just didn't feel love and I didn't know how to give love in those moments in time. So that was really confronting and there was a part of me in those four weeks where there was so much anger and fury that I didn't even know existed within my within myself that uh I you know the healing that I needed from that and that had nothing to do with Avery but I took it out on him um so since we've come back I've done a lot of self-reflection on that and asked where did that come from and you know predictably it came from childhood and then you know I had to journal um, a lot of that out and, you know, brought forgiveness to wherever forgiveness needed to be. Um, and then also in terms of conditional love, you know, I learned that even as a wife, it's when th- it, I, I love this line, it's when things are going great, it's really easy to be exceptional. You know, when things are, are flowing, it's really easy to be exceptional. But when things are tough, it really takes something to be exceptional, to be amazing for the people that you love and not only that for yourself. When things are tough, that's when it really matters the most. So the four weeks in Japan was a real eye-opener on the wounds that needed healing within myself. But not only that, being able to see how conditional my love was for Avery and um, 
So where do we go to from here? You know, well, awareness is the first stage and then there's a willingness to to learn from this, the willingness to transform. Um, so we've I've had a lot of conversations with Avery since and, you know, one of the first conversations I've had with him since we returned to Sydney was I apologised for my mistakes. I apologised that I couldn't be there for him and that he felt unloved and I asked for forgiveness. And I also said, mum is doing the best that she can and I will make mistakes. And in our family, we make mistakes and we forgive and we try. We try our best and we're always, um, you know, learning. And it's, it's. I think, one of the things that I really want to be able to learn from is being okay to make mistakes um, and then forgive and then doing better. And, you know, he's this two-and-a-half-year-old who's miraculous and I asked him for forgiveness. I said, oh, do you forgive mummy? And he, you know, he, he looked at me quietly and I said, oh, or have you already forgiven mummy? Because I actually did ask for forgiveness quite a few times on this trip because I wasn't the best version of myself when I was speaking to him. And he looked at me and he said, oh, I already forgive you, mummy. Um, you know, I love you. You know, that's amazing. He's two and a half. And, you know, and the thing is, we've all been two and a half. We've all been children before. So I believe that this is this is our true nature, to be loving, to be whole, to be forgiving, to, to want to be able to be compassionate and empathetic to one another. So I'll leave you with this in this episode, and that is, what if we brought awareness to the way that we love and see when we place condition on our love, what there is, is to be able to go, okay, well, how can I heal that wound? How can I see this differently because each time we place conditions in our relationships conditions on the things that we love doing whether it's our uh, you know whether yeah whatever we love doing our expressions um and we place conditions in relationships love relationships um committed relationships um you know friendships business relationships it suffocates it, you know, and there's no space for vulnerability. There's no space that allows something else to grow. So bring awareness to where we have, you know, where we say we love, but there's conditions. And then in the next moment, I think it's just to go, well, how do I heal from this? And how can I see this differently? And I think at the core of it is what we're doing is cultivating that muscle of empathy, because when we place conditions, we place conditions from fear. You know, we think that these conditions provide us some peace of mind to be able to control how we see things. But conditions are created from a place of fear. And un, like, you know, when, we, when, we, when love is unconditional, there is trust, there is faith. It is coming from a space of abundance and um, coming from a space of, I, I guess, like how children give themselves over, coming from a place of surrender. And the other thing is knowing that we're a work in progress and to be able to tap into that part of us that when we are at our worst, what we want the most is to know that we are loved, that we are worthy of love and that we are enough. So when we can tune into that, allow ourselves to see that emotion for what it is, especially when we feel so unworthy and we are at our worst, that is when that's an opportunity to practice allowing love in. 
So thank you for joining me today. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and I look forward to 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 to, to connecting with you really soon. And as always, um, please connect with me on Instagram. That's Yumi, Y-U-M-M-I dot Nguyen, N-G-U-Y-E-N, um, and send me questions or, you know, topics that you want to explore because, um, yeah, like this is a really amazing journey to be on where we're exploring how to learn to live from love over fear. So take care. Have a wonderful day and I look forward to our next episode together. Bye for now.